Here at The Local Who, we strive to highlight the change makers in our communities. My name is Ruth Amundsen, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I got to sit down and talk with Brad Bird. He's a local Arkansas musician, singer, and songwriter. Um, I would praise him on his songwriting, most of all. It's brilliant. Um, His lyrics are so amazing, so fun to listen to. Uh, You could dig through them for ages. But we sat down and we had a conversation about being a musician in a place like Arkansas, a very kind of like small towny vibe uh, music industry, what that means for him, what that means for other people, what that means for our arts community in Arkansas. We talked a little bit about faith. We talked a little bit about his process in songwriting. So if that's something you're interested, I think you'll be really excited about this episode. I'm going to play a snippet of his single, See the Light, in between the intro and the beginning of the podcast, so you can check that out. It's one of my absolute favorites from his EP. You can find his music on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, SoundCloud too. Um, You can find it anywhere. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I'm so excited to introduce you to Brad Bird. Today, I am here with Brad Bird. He is an Arkansas native, I think. You are an Arkansas native, yes, right? Okay. actually. He's an Arkansas native, currently lives in Conway, and he's a part of like the local music scene here. Um, I met him or heard of him through my friend Andrew, who I've known from high school, but you met him through the, like, in you were in high schoolish. Or were you in college age when you met him? You know, I would have been a junior in college, actually, when I met oh, him. So for some reason, I thought y'all were like sophomores, juniors. I'm a little older than I look. I don't know why. <laughs> permanent, permanent baby face. That's why I grew the beard. <laughs> At least you can. It would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't not. It just shows up on my face. So give me a little bit of history on yourself. Like, where are you from? Where have you lived? Have you always been in Conway? That good stuff. You know, I would say, as far as the Conway thing, I never intended on ending up in Conway. It just happened the way it needed to happen. I've lived in Arkansas my entire life. I grew up mostly in Bentonville, up in northwest Arkansas. Oh. Was born in North Little Rock. We moved up there when I was three. And I actually stayed there until I graduated high school. So in 2010 was when I graduated high school. And I knew I wanted to do music, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea where to go. And I honestly didn't put that much thought into it. I hate to admit. (laughs) And so I applied to two schools in Arkansas, one of which was UCA in Conway and the other was Arkansas Tech and nothing against tech per se, but I had no (laughs) desire to go there. And I got more scholarships to go to UCA. Mm -hmm. I actually was fortunate enough via a combination of different scholarships to get a full ride which was cool nice and i ended up going there 
for four years, 2010 to 2014, and I got my degree in vocal music education. And for whatever reason, which I'm sure we'll get into, I uh, never left. So I am still here nine years later. Crazy. Do you do you hate theory like every other vocal music education? No, I'm the weirdo. I love it. You do? I love it. I actually, all right, this is just a <laughs> factual story. This is not a brag call. You can take it as you want. So I was that kid who I was taking band. I played percussion mm-hmm. and I was in choir and I knew that I wanted to take this class called AP Music Theory. Mm-hmm. And in order to take it, I had to take two summer classes and quit band. Pretty crazy with the scheduling, but I ended up doing all of that. And I got an AP Theory. And I'm looking around and I'm talking like, this is the creme de la creme of the music department. <laughs> all of these people who are great that I look up to, mm-hmm. instrumentalist, vocalist, and I had not really been in a lot of AP classes, so I set, they set out this thing of like, you're going to make one through five on this final exam, and we're going to prepare you. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around the room, and there's about four or five people that I'm like, okay, they're going to make a five. They're going to get a five. I was like, you know, I'll be lucky if I get like a four. Yeah. Um, the craziest part is I was actually really good at dictation, like for ear training. Oh. I know, some pe- <laughs> most people react that way. But I loved it. I was like, you mean I get to listen to this song and write it? I was like, this is so much fun. You have to listen to it over and over and over again. It was so much fun. So you took this class? (laughs) So I was in band all through school, (laughs) like high school. And then I was super into musical theater, like hardcore into musical theater. There you go. And my senior year, band required us to take a theory class. And then my theater classes were like, oh, we'll count that to your theater classes and stuff. So I, I took it for like a week. Yeah, nothing wrong. Most people do that. (laughs) My college theory class, half the people quit by second semester. I can't believe you. You're the first person I've ever met who's been like, yeah, I liked theory. Well, so get this. Not only did I think it was fun like a weirdo, (laughs) but I also proceeded to then after taking all these practice things. And I Mm -hmm. actually, again, like not a brag call, just factual. Like I was getting near perfect scores on these dictations. And I was like, that's something to brag about. I was though. like, maybe I could, maybe I could make a five. I was like, this could happen. Mm-hmm. I take the test. The day of the test, I did terrible on every dictation. Like where I used to make like, it was like a total of nine points you can mm-hmm. make. Like if you get eight, you get the ninth point. Mm-hmm. I was making like five or six on every single one of them. And I was like, no, it was the pressure of it test like day. Test anxiety. And so I was just really bummed out. And so I ended up actually going to... Uh, ACC choir camp Arkansas Choral Connection that Mm -hmm. summer and it was the last summer I could do it as a student and I remember I'm walking around the calf this is a few like a couple months later and my choir director from Bentonville Terry Hicks stops me and he says hey man congratulations and I was like thank you Uh, on what and he said yeah you were the only person in the class to make a five (laughs) what so after thinking i bombed this exam i ended up being the only person who got a five so it then came to my attention that that meant i could skip my entire freshman year of music theory so i decided well i'm not sure i want to do that so i'm gonna go the advisor was like why don't you go audit the theory three class Mm -hmm. so first week of college i walk into this theory three class which if you don't know is like a second year course yeah so all of these sophomores and juniors are sitting in and in walks me a freshman and they get about 20 minutes into lecture and they start talking about something i don't even remember what it was if Mm -hmm. it was like modes or something like i had no idea 
And so I just got up and walked out, (laughs) went to my advisor and said, sign me up for theory one. And now when I'm teaching music lessons, because I do that full time, Mm -hmm. I actually love talking about theory. Not everyone gets there with me, but I actually will have students who want to know about it and it gets me super excited. So yes, I'm a giant music theory nerd. I don't want to sit there and do like spreadsheets of yeah. different chordal modes and like compose that way. That's ridiculous. I don't <laughs> I don't like math, but yeah. I like music theory. That's so that's like equal parts impressive and crazy. Like I just can't. <laughs> that blows my mind. So how did you get you said when you graduated you knew you wanted to do music. How did you get into music or how did you decide that you knew you wanted to pursue mm. this as a career? Well, um I'm very stubborn and I actually grew up around it. So my parents were worship leaders at, uh, it was a first United Methodist church in Rogers, Arkansas. Mm. They did it on a volunteer basis. Come on, mom God and dad. God bless them. I know, right? Golly. Um, they did it for the first 19 years of my life, but my dad played guitar and my mom sang Golly. and everybody would be like, when are you going to get up there and do that? To which my immediate response was, uh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I feel that. That's terrifying. Yeah. I'm not getting in front of people and singing. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> by the time I was about eight years old, uh, and that was when boy band pop was really big, Yeah. I, thinking no one could hear me naively, was in my bedroom singing I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> like belting it? As loud as I could. <laughs> thinking no one can hear me and my mom busts in it's probably like nine o'clock at night or something busts in and she's like was that you i said no no (laughs) and she said that that was good you you should do that and sure enough next year i know she signed me up for church choir yeah uh it was a struggle i did not want to be there Mm -hmm. but a few years went by i think it was like seventh grade and i ended up joining uh the choir at my junior high and I had a really good teacher, shout out to Clint Pianalto, and uh, and it was actually his last year at that school, but Aww. he he actually was one of the first directors amongst several I would have that made me love it. Aww. So I guess mom was right. I don't like admitting <laughs> it, but... I feel that though. So my, both of my parents are pastors, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up, people were like, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. And I was like, <laughs> no, never, and now I'm director of youth ministry. Yeah, church. isn't it crazy? Like, first off, you... I don't know if it's just rebellion. You want nothing to do with mm-hmm. it. Cause you're like, oh, my parents do it. It must not be cool. Yeah. Uh, I never thought that I would do music. Um, I think my stubbornness worked uh, retroactively on me because now I love it more than anything. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how life works out. It is. Yeah, I agree. So you <clears throat> finished high school, went to UCA, did the vocal education thing. Mm-hmm. When you finished college did you want to become like a teacher did you what did what was the journey there you know that's that's a funny story we're about to get into it uh so actually no I think I found out midway through my sophomore year Mm -hmm. that I really didn't want to be a choir director uh don't get me wrong like some of my biggest influences as far as like the people that had pushed me to want to do that degree Mm -hmm. were my choir directors uh yeah like I said, Clint Pianalto, Terry Hicks from Bentonville High, mm-hmm. Ken Griggs, Kayla Abernathy. Like I could, the list goes on. Like mm-hmm. all of these incredible teachers that yeah. were influential in my musical development. Mm-hmm. But when I really got into it, I said, 
this isn't me. And I realized what I wanted to do was write songs. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to learn about that, the production, everything that went into just that creation. Mm -hmm. But the more I looked around, I realized this isn't, they're not doing this here. This Mm -hmm. isn't the school for it. And uh, I got really just discontented. Mm -hmm. And I started looking for a way out. And I actually started looking at a songwriting degree at Belmont. And it actually almost worked out except for the money. Mm. So I was getting paid to to go to school where I was at. And I would have been paying a few thousand dollars every semester. And it just didn't work out. Yeah. So I was pretty bummed. I got to this point where I thought, you know, maybe this is like a sign. Maybe this is an opportunity that, uh, that I just can't take right now. And around the same time, I was very heavily involved in a campus ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they had this internship. Having been raised in church all my life and, and, you know, having some sense of like, maybe this would be a good first step for me, Mm -hmm. I applied for that internship. And I ended up getting accepted into it, which was cool. And I spent the better part of a year after college uh, doing that internship. And And the eventual goal, the end of it, would be to be a licensed minister to possibly go start a ministry on another college campus, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so that ended up becoming a lot of where I saw myself going. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, it was also really important to me. I was very seriously dating someone at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was a part of that ministry. That was how we'd met. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I saw these two different paths. I saw I can do music like I've always thought I was supposed to do since I was about like 14. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm supposed to do this over here. Maybe it is the the more holy or righteous thing to give up these pursuits. I even had a couple people in that setting kind of say, I've seen people do this kind of stuff and they get really involved in the world, quote unquote, or they... Uh, they kind of lose track of what's important mm-hmm. and like I respected these people and I still do yeah, yeah. but I heeded their advice and so I kind of just made this decision on my own that I was going to quit doing music mm. and I went all in on this uh, well funny enough <laughs> while I've got a lot of good memories from that year too uh, the way that that year ended I got fired let go from that ministry position and the girl broke up with me. Oh, no. And so looking at where I had been at that point. Life changes. Yeah, I I honestly, you know, and it's, it's kind of the stereotypical thing to be like, you don't know who you are, you're young. But I seriously didn't know mm-hmm. who I was. And I thought maybe these things, maybe mm-hmm. this job, this person, yeah, maybe that encompasses who I am. And so I put so much stock into these things and into that relationship in particular. And suddenly when it all blew up in my face, I didn't know what I had left. Mm -hmm. I actually kind of thought that I had just blown it Mm -hmm. at life in general. Yeah. And uh, I honestly got super depressed. I didn't really have a way to to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because in addition to like being let go from that ministry job, that had also been the community I'd been a part of for five years. And so, yeah. Um, so it wasn't just your job. It was like your friends and your family. Yeah. And, uh, and while I, I don't want to dispute the decision that was made, 
because that's not up to me. Like I, I don't yeah, really yeah. get to make the call there. Uh, if anything, I actually think in the long run it was the right decision because it's not where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still, it was painful. Yeah. Um, it definitely produced a lot of hurt that I didn't know how to deal with. I imagine it affected your faith too. You know, that's that's <laughs> definitely something that I've had to walk uh, as a line because uh, honestly, even just something that I've had to come to terms with it. So I grew up around all of that stuff mm-hmm. and it was kind of one of those, yeah, okay, I believe that. But having to, for the first time on my own, ask myself the question of, do I? Oh my gosh, do I, I feel this so, so much. Do I actually believe these things for me or is it because of the people around me? Mm-hmm. And uh, while everyone, I think, should have to go through that at some point, mm-hmm. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's it was a so terrible hard. feeling. It's so hard. Um, to question everything that I'd ever believed and... Uh, now, the cool thing is, is that I went through this time of really asking myself those questions and the conclusion that I came to was, you know, it's going to look different, but I do still want those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do still believe at the middle of all of this, like particularly like a story of Jesus, like in the middle of all of it, mm-hmm. that was the one thing I could explain away everything else at the end of the day, but that was the one thing I couldn't shake. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for that because I had nothing else that was like worthy of having my foundation be put in. Like, obviously I tried it with the girl yeah, and she broke my heart. Um, and then I thought maybe doing quote unquote, the Lord's work, doing this ministry job mm-hmm. was it. And that completely tanked. Yeah. And so I do still believe at the end of the day, like I have something more valuable than those things, but, uh, but it hasn't been without struggle. Like Mm -hmm. I definitely still have the days where I doubt. I definitely still have those moments where, uh, I struggle to want to be a part of the church Mm -hmm. because I've just seen the hurt that can occur. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is that I feel like I've been able to relate to some people and empathize with some people that I wouldn't have otherwise. And, uh, and even specifically like work with some musicians and artists that uh, have been through very similar things as me Mm -hmm. and have fallen either on one side or the other of that. Um, But to be able to provide empathy Mm -hmm. and not really have the agenda of I'm necessarily going to change your mind or like I have the key to changing your life, but to more so just like have a, any form of relationship or friendship with those people. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's power in, in common unity in that experience of going through something like that. Um, yeah. and I hope that regardless of where people fall in the faith spectrum, that they'd hear somebody like me talking about something like this and they would say like, okay, maybe I'm not the only one who's experienced rejection or abandonment mm-hmm. or, or deep hurt or, I mean, shoot, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time. Uh, And while situations like this didn't necessarily help with that, um, I would say having the opportunity to put some of those things in a song Mm -hmm. has been deeply impactful for me. But I would like to think that somewhere along the way it's helped somebody else, which is what I, when I finally did return to music, Mm -hmm. it was something that brought me a big relief and just took a weight off my shoulders. Yeah. That it's so weird how like similar your story is to mine. I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, I, I was hired at this 
or I was, I was working at this Christian organization and I got let go. Mm. And then within that same month, this guy that I was like positive, I was going to get married to, (sighs) we broke up. And so it was just like this big, the exact same thing. It was like, I had to sit down and ask myself these questions. I will say though, that like the next month I met my now husband. So that was different. Wow, That's super cool. (laughs) But yeah, it was definitely like this. It was this whole thing of like, I had to let go of these things that I thought were expectations or like things that I, the person I thought I was supposed to be and figure out like, Mm -hmm. this is the person I am, not who I think I'm supposed to be or this weird. But the second that I let go of that, of these weird expectations, all of these like amazing things came forward that man, I just like wasn't prepared for. I mean, I hate to hear that you've been through that, (laughs) but I also love that you have the perspective of, I guess you said a month later you met him. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, I'm trying to, I got the job in May and I met him in June or I lost the job. I lost the job in May and I met him in June and I never would have met him the whole, like when I lost the job, they were like, well, we, it was a weird situation where they were like, we're going to help you find another job. Like we hate that we're having to let you go. We're going to help you find another job. That's cool. And the other job that they helped me find was in Kansas city. And this job was in Arkansas. I had never been to Kansas city, didn't know anything about it. And he had been working at a camp up in Kansas City for like three years, and we met there. And I was like, this is it. This is what was supposed to happen. It was so cool. Well, congrats. And you got married how long ago? We got married November 3rd. Awesome. So like three months, three months. I feel like such a baby married. When people are like, oh, you're married? And I'm like, but baby married. Like kind of. I I just got married. I know you want to ask me more questions, but I'm curious. How's it going? How's marriage? It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Well, so it's really good. And it's, I I shouldn't say well. That's awful. It's so good, and it's also really weird. And I think he would probably say the same thing. <laughs> he would say the same thing. Like, it's, you have to, like, share your stuff. Yeah. And, like, you're, like, also the weirdest part that I've found is that, and I feel, I feel like I sound bad when I say this, but, like, I don't make decisions for myself anymore. Yeah. But it's, like, the decisions <laughs> I make are, like, oh, there's another person, like, there 100% of the time that I have to Every time I've talked yes. to a, a friend of mine who's married... I'm like, what have you been learning? And they're like, man, I'm so stinking selfish. You know, I know. <laughs> it's Every so single true. time. But they're like, it's so good, but I stink. You I know. know. <laughs> That's so accurate. So much to look forward to bringing it's... on the future. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you returned to music when you were like 1920-ish? Or was it yeah. later than that? Um, so mostly, so kind of with the, the ministry and church experience, like at the time it was more like, as a worship musician, like in different mm-hmm. churches and ministries, like, gosh, I probably played in five or six different ones over the span of that year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's how it started, but it wasn't until later. Uh, this is kind of funny. It's one of those, uh, <laughs> you know, that Disney ride, like it's a small world. Yeah. That song's playing in the back of my head when I, when I think of the story, <laughs> I'm not going to sing it cause that's a, terrifying ride if you don't like puppets don't go on it but uh it is a small world because I remember so right after I lost that job and the girl broke up with me and while I was super depressed Mm -hmm. I was also waiting tables at a restaurant in town and the girl who hired me uh my friend Stormy she ended up having to just over something that happened six months into me working there, like she had to let me go. Mm. And, uh, and so it was just like, great, you know, like another job. Again, yeah. But a uh, cool thing is that me and her kept in touch and we stayed friends. And one day we were sitting in local coffee shop, like Blue Sale or something. Mm-hmm. 
and we actually were sitting there and I was working on a song I was writing and I remember not even really thinking about it. I was just working through it, playing through it. And at one point she stops me and she says, Hey, what is that? And I said, Oh, it's just, just something that I'm working on. And mm-hmm. she's like, wait, you wrote that? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, no, that's good. Are you doing anything with that? And I hadn't told her and I hadn't told anybody, but I was kind of secretly making plans to get out of Arkansas. I thought, man, there's just nothing here for me. Mm-hmm. I had looked at the Nashville area. I was like, maybe that's where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And she said, Hey, I want to introduce you to a couple of my friends. And she actually introduced me to two guys, Matt Huber and another guy named Michael Hoover, mm-hmm. who not only now are two of my good friends, but Matt actually ended up, uh, he's a producer. And he ended up, we met and he said, hey man, like Stormy tells me you write songs. She's, mm-hmm. He's like, send me some of your demos. And so I send him about eight to 10 songs. Like I had just a bunch. That's so many. I, I write a lot of songs. I don't usually awesome. tell people how much, but uh, <laughs> I write a lot. Um, I feel like that's most songwriters. Like you put out like six or seven, but like in reality, you have like 37 songs in your back pocket. It's or so true. For every song that people are going to hear, there's about eight or so that you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it goes. At yeah. least the way it should go. Yeah. And uh, I sent him eight to 10 songs and... God love him. He listened to all of them. But uh, he sent me feedback and he said, hey man, all of these are really good. But this one song, this has something special. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that song? It was a song, <laughs> if this gives you any context, that I kind of wrote just in the moment. I wasn't even trying to do it for me. I've been listening to a bunch of like Americana and Folka. You know who the tallest man on earth is? Mm-mm. He's like, I don't even know if he's foreign or where he's from, but he... He had uh, just a couple records that I liked, and I was listening to them, and it's just very kind of guitar parts, and I was writing like that, mm-hmm. and I sent him that song, which literally had three chords in it the entire time, <laughs> and he liked that one, and I said, that one? Really? <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, and we ended up meeting up, and we started working on it, uh, and that song, we did three different versions of it, mm-hmm. and that ended up becoming my first single, See the Light. Uh, that song's so good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, no, for real. It started out as a stomp clappy, like, so come really? on, baby. You know, like, kind of like folky. Yeah. And by the end of it, as I'm sure you know from listening to it, it yeah. turned kind of into indie pop. I was about to say, like, I can't even, like, I'm trying to imagine it being different, and I yeah. can't. I had literally no idea what my sound was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That this was genuinely my entrance back into doing it because mm-hmm. up until that point, I was writing as personal therapy. Mm-hmm. It was really just a like, man, I don't know how to deal with all this right now, so I'm going to put it in a song. I yeah. literally wrote that one. I will not go into much specifics on it because <laughs> I like to leave some to the, the imagination. But there was a girl at the time in town who I kind of had developed a crush on, mm-hmm. and I thought she was awesome and just she would walk in a room and the room would just like light up, you know, she was one of those. Yeah. And I remember kind of trying to hang out with her and her friend group, but it just seemed like no matter what I did, she didn't really pick up on the fact that I liked her. Yeah. That, or she just wasn't interested. And so I wrote that song literally as a means of just like saying like, will you notice me? Like, will you (laughs) let me see the light? You know? And I just wrote it as a song to get over it. That was what I used to do would be like, I'm going to put it in a song, push it aside. Okay. Yeah. Um, But this was the first time that I had ever had someone hear one of my songs and say, 
hey, actually, you should do something with it. But that was just cool to have someone, um, I hate putting it this way because it's like, don't get me wrong, I have very supportive parents, I've got really supportive friends, Mm -hmm. but it was just cool to see somebody in a very concrete way, my friend Stormy saying, you need to do this, Mm -hmm. and then Matt and Michael urging me forward, and Matt making it possible by saying, like, let's record these songs, Mm -hmm. Um, like, to see that belief actually turn into something concrete, Mm -hmm. um, I... I wouldn't be anywhere where I'm at if it weren't for people like that mm-hmm. saying, I believe in you. Now let's do something about it. It feels like you you didn't just kind of introduce yourself back into the music scene. You like cannonballed back into the music <laughs> scene. Like it wasn't like you took a couple steps. You like went to a producer and recorded songs. I, like I guess. I think it was one of those that like it was a natural progression, but I appreciate the kind <laughs> way you're putting it because in my opinion, it was like I had never really been part of it in the first place. Mm. Like I'd never, I'd never had the chance to do it. Like when I think about as an independent artist and as measly as my Spotify <laughs> stream numbers are, and yeah, I look at those and I probably shouldn't. But I am beyond grateful for the strides I've been able to make. Some of the shows we've been able to play already, Mm -hmm. some of the opportunities and the support we've gotten, like, I've only been doing this a little over a year, Mm -hmm. and it already feels like I've been doing it longer. And so it's it's cool. There's definitely some things I still... You've only been doing this like a year? Actually, yeah. The music came out November 2017. Like, first single was October 2017. Holy moly. That's the first music I've ever put out, just these five songs. That's insane. But I will say, and I'm a strong proponent of this, what you do in front of people, yeah, that's important. But what you do when no one's looking, Mm -hmm. and I'm learning a lot more about that, is huge. And what people may not realize is that since I was 19, every second I can get, I've been getting better at guitar, piano, working on my voice, writing Mm -hmm. songs, writing songs, writing songs. Yeah. And... So to some people, it may look like, oh, this just happened overnight. Like, heck no. Yeah. I've, I've been working my butt off to get to where I'm at, and yeah. I'm still not where I even want to be. So. so what's your, what is, just because I'm so curious, what's the biggest <laughs> show you've ever played? Oh, man. Uh, absolutely, hands down, was opening for Knox Hamilton at the Rev Room. That's so cool. It was fun. Uh I'm sorry. I can't not tell stories. Uh, yes, please. This, this one was funny. So I, interestingly enough, Matt, again, super talented producer. After we did my EP, a couple local artists, bigger bands than I, uh, kind of, I guess, had known of Matt and his work, but uh, they liked certain things about my EP, like the drum tone, and also had heard other things that he had worked on. And I guess we're at a point with... Uh, where they were at musically, they're like, we really need somebody locally. Mm-hmm. One of those bands ended up being Knox Hamilton. Uh, so they reached out to Matt and they said, hey, like we're going to re-record this old song that we have, as well as three new ones. We want to put out this EP. Uh, and so he ended up working with them over a few months and they released uh, the Beach Boy EP. Mm-hmm. And so, which is funny because my other old roommate in college, John Hockaday, that was his favorite song, Beach Boy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we used to listen to that in our dorm. <laughs> and so they went on this thing. They announced the Beach Boy tour. And mm-hmm. one of the stops was Rev Room in Little Rock. And I love that venue. And I remember 
being like, oh, I have to play that show. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to. And so silent alarms going off in the back of my mind, like, you you have a point of connection. Like, message them. Like, mm-hmm. they, they know who you are. They know Matt. Like, just, just message them. Yeah. And I was so afraid to do it that they would <laughs> say no that I didn't. And so... You didn't? So a friend of mine, actually, a local artist by the name of Joseph Tilly, announces... I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, He actually, a few days later, announced, he's like, so stoked to announce that I'm going to be opening for Knox. And I was like, whoa. And I messaged him. I was like, dude, congrats. Like, how did did that happen? And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I just messaged them on Instagram. (laughs) And I was like, I could have done that. That was the universe getting back. Yeah, for real. I was just like, dang it. Like, I was kind of pissed. I was like, why didn't I just do that? Yeah. Uh, But then I was like, you know what? Chalk it up to another lesson learned. Yeah. Next time I'll be brave. Yeah. So I was just like, I'll go to the show. The night before the show, talking like 930, like less than 24 hours before, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting at Round Mountain, another local coffee shop. I love Round Mountain. One of my faves. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all the baristas if you're listening. But uh, Round Mountain Classic is where it's at. That was the first drink I ever had there. Oh, it's so good. So good. I was sitting there uh, with a friend of mine, and I don't even remember what I was doing. It was like a Friday night, and my phone goes off, and I look at it, and it's from a number I don't have saved. Mm. <clears throat> and I, I look at it, and it says, hey, man. This is Boots from Knox Hamilton, which is the lead singer. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I uh, I know this is super last minute, but one of our two opening acts for the Rev Room tomorrow night just fell through. Can you and your guys play? And uh, I don't remember much of the next few minutes. All I remember <laughs> is my friend sitting next to me. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, I have, I have to call people. You know, like, <laughs> If I have to find people off the street, we are playing the show. <laughs> so I have a pretty set group of friends who mm-hmm. back me as my band and I called all of them and I was like hey what are you doing tomorrow night and they're like I don't know and I was like let's play the rev room and they said okay <laughs> all of them except for I love them but my drummer Micah because he had a gig that he couldn't get out of oh and I was like oh no yeah this is our shot like this is the only way to do this show yeah what am I going to do? And I started talking to Matt and some other people. I was like, who plays drums that I can talk to? And he's like, well, you could talk to Michael. And I was like, oh my gosh, Michael, who played drums yeah. on my EP. I, so I called him. Uh, he's married now at the time he was engaged. And I was like, hey man, what are you doing tomorrow night? And he said, oh, I'm going on a date with Kendall. And I said, oh, no. that's great, man. Do you want to break your plans and play drums for me instead at the rev room? And he said, let me call you back. <laughs> and then the most agonizing 30 minutes of my life went yeah. by. Um, and then he called me back and he said, yeah, let's do it. So uh-huh. he is the real MVP of that night. He learned six songs on the drums. And His less fiance than... is the real MVP of that night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, he, he learned six songs on the drums in less than 24 hours. Holy cow. <laughs> but we did it. We showed up to the venue. We had not rehearsed together. Oh my gosh. I'm not usually the one to tell everybody this part of the story, but we like kind of were just going in blind. Yeah. We ended up going on stage. So it was us first and then Joseph went on mm-hmm. and, and he had a uh, couple guys back in him, bass and drums, mm-hmm. and then Knox went on. So we went up and we played a six song set. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and my heart was beating out of my chest because this is the venue like I saw Mute Math there in 2011. Yeah. I had seen so many great bands, like some of my favorites at that venue. And I'm like, I am standing on the stage. <laughs> what is life? What is happening? Where all of these people <clears throat> stood before me. and The craziest part is that not only was the crowd super energetic, I just think they were stoked for anybody because they yeah. were like, we're here for Knox, but hey, we'll listen to we'll you. We'll support you too. <laughs> they were super awesome. Uh, and I think the pre-sale for that show was about 180 or something. Whoa. Or something. I could be making that number up. Whatever. <laughs> We'll pretend like it's it's 2019, <laughs> and apparently everybody makes up everything. But, uh, but we we played the set. The coolest moment for me was that we started playing one of your favorites, "See the Light." I saw a phone light go on, <gasps> and we're about to do the last verse. Yeah. And I, they were still playing the instrumental, and I just stopped singing, and I was like, "Hey, everybody, get your phones out. We're gonna for the last." chorus like everyone's gonna get your phone light out Mm -hmm. and they did it uh and i have a few pictures like documenting it but it does not do it justice because as we closed out the last chorus of our last song i saw a multitude of just lights coming out of the crowd um and then we got off the stage i was still trying to process all that i was like sweating like crazy yeah uh and uh and yeah, it was just a great night. Uh, Joseph so did great after that. Knox crushed it. And uh, seriously, like from that night on, like it just kind of changed things for us. Like mm-hmm. I just super, super grateful for that show because it shouldn't have happened. And it did. And it did. And so, uh, yeah, anything but gratitude would just be the wrong choice. My dad says, smile at the universe, and it'll smile back at you. <laughs> oh, it's it smiled hard. <laughs> it was beaming. Oh, that's so cool. It was fun. So for those of you that don't know, all of Brad's music is on Spotify. Is it Oh, other? it's everywhere. But, okay, okay. <laughs> I've only listened to it on Spotify because yeah. that's like the only place I listen Spotify, to music. Spotify, Apple Music. It should be on Amazon. Uh, okay. Is it Google Play? Is that what it's called? Yes. I think, so we distribute it to... Basically, anywhere you can stream music, it should be up there. If you're one of those SoundCloud people, it's there, too. (laughs) Um, But the EP, the first EP is called Silhouettes, and the first single was See the Light. I personally am a fan of See the Light and Slow Burn. Mm. I think they're both so good. Thank you. I listened to them, like, on repeat this week. I appreciate that. Kind of, like, in prep for this. I was so excited. Um, There's one song, it's also really good, called Wave, Mm. or Waves. Yeah. Waves? Okay. And you do it with Tiffany Lee. Yes. Who, also, for those of you who are listening that don't know, Tiffany Lee is on Spotify, and she's been amazing. Go check her out. She's great. Oh, so good. Um, And she's an Arkansas native. She lives, Mm -hmm. I think she lives in Little Rock. She lives in Maumelle, actually. Or Maumelle, okay. Um, And they do a song together called Waves. What was it like, like, was it different writing music with somebody else? Well, so in this particular case, uh, and and I'll go ahead and say, like, as a general rule, I've only done a little bit of co-writing, but... It is always different to write with somebody. I I would argue it's the better alternative mm-hmm. because you have another voice or a springboard that you can that would just make you write differently than you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular case, actually, funny story about that song. Uh, Tiff didn't do any of the writing on it. She actually came in later. Uh, one night, I really don't remember much about it except it was two in the morning. And I got this idea for a melody or something stuck in my head. And I started playing through this chord progression. 
And I started writing that song. And I remember the rest of the process was kind of fuzzy. Like I kind of told myself I wasn't going to go to sleep until I got to a stopping point. So like maybe three or four in the morning, mm-hmm. I stopped and I ended up, yeah, I ended up just going to sleep. I think I got a voice memo, wrote some stuff down. I wake up the next morning and it, the thought occurs to me like, oh yeah, I was writing a song last night and I go and I look at it and I thought I had part of a song. I had a full song done, which isn't usually the case. You don't yeah. usually like one time and you're done. Yeah. Especially that quick. Yeah. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, but I ended up listening to it and I was like, this, maybe this could be something. And when I sent Matt, I think I mentioned like eight to 10 songs. Yeah. It was not one of them. Really? And no. And I ended up, <clears throat> it kept coming up in the back of my mind as I mm-hmm. was working with him. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that was supposed to be for then. Like this is different. Mm-hmm. Well, it kept coming back to me for like a month. Mm-hmm. And so I eventually said, hey, Matt, there's this song. I didn't tell you about it because I, it's a duet and I don't have anybody to sing it. But I'm just going to send it to you. And mm-hmm. I sent it to him. A day goes by, he gets back to me, uh, he was busy, and he said, Brad, this is one of the best songs you've written. Uh, he said, you have to do this. Uh, and then he also proceeded to say, and I think I know somebody who would be a perfect fit. Him and another guy named Josh Hoover were wrapping up Tiff's EP. Yeah. And ended up introducing me to her at mm-hmm. one point. Uh, we became friends around that time. And... I, about two weeks into us hanging out, said, hey, I've got this song. It's a duet. I didn't write it with anybody in mind, but I would really like to see if maybe you'd want to sing it. Mm -hmm. And she said, send it to me. So I sent it to her and she said, yeah, let's give it a try. Uh, That was October of 2016. Mm -hmm. And... Had a lot of crazy stuff happen that year. Just uh, watched a lot of stuff change. We actually didn't even get to record her parts of that song until April the next year. Oh, uh, that's so long. It was a process. But uh, but the fact that she was willing to do it means a lot to me. She is mm-hmm. a dear friend and is super talented. Yeah, we she kn- is. We knocked out all of her parts in one night. and uh, Dang, girl. Yeah, she did awesome. I think it was like a two-hour vocal session. So. Huh. Uh, but yeah, so she crushed it. I personally love that song a lot. It's very meaningful for me, especially just because of the timing of it. So for me, I don't usually like to reveal why I wrote a song Mm -hmm. just because I want people to attach their own meaning. But for me in the moment when I wrote it, it was about two people walking away from a broken relationship Mm -hmm. and realizing that you're better for it. Mm-hmm. Or realizing that actually the difficult things kind of help refine you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was cool because of where both I was in my life and where she was at. Uh, I'm sure if you listen to her music, you can pick up on some of it. Mm-hmm. But it was just very odd with the timing because it was one of those. It, it means a lot to me, but I would like to think to some degree it even was it was able to mimic some of the things she was getting across in her lyrics. Uh, in just from a different perspective. Yeah. And so I, I can't really speak for her, but it was just really cool how the timing of that worked out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So do you normally like, do you, I assume you write all your music. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've always struggled with that one a little bit because at the end of the day, like, yeah, up to this point, I've been the sole songwriter. I've, I've done all the lyrics, all the, the chord progressions, all of the, like, the songs are me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, that uh, as I gave a previous example of, uh, of See the Light having been a different song before. Mm-hmm another song that kind of that happened with uh and why i struggle to answer that question a little bit is uh yeah i feel like once you start producing a song it's still you saying yes or no Mm -hmm. uh matt one time was like you are the gatekeeper to your own sound yeah something can only come through those doors if you say yes Mm -hmm. but i remember one time we were doing ghost dancer and uh it was very much a uh more guitar driven uh, indie rock kind of like Ryan Adams kind of style song mm-hmm. and at one point we were like three sessions in and he was just like man I just don't know if we found the soul of this song yet and Ooh. I said what <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about and he said yeah I just, I, this might just be like a version one and he's like hey I got an idea pulls out a drum machine and I'm like okay at this point <laughs> I've been like I should probably let him try this. Like, I can just say no if I don't like it. This man is like your guardian angel. You need to just let him <laughs> just try the things. Well, like, no, he, he, the saddest part is like, I, I'm stubborn, but I'm going to fully admit in this case that he was right because he ended yeah. up having me try some stuff vocally. Like, he had me sing like in a head voice, like falsetto. Mm-hmm. We doubled that. And then I sang it like an octave down and he did... Uh, some things panning at far right and left and mm-hmm. he set the vocal with the drum machine and the guitar parts we then recorded and it completely changed the song mm-hmm. and my initial reaction on that day one was like no what are you doing like this is not how i envisioned the song mm-hmm. and i can fully admit now that not only was he 100 percent right it was better that way um but that now production wise maybe mm-hmm. not songwriting wise but production wise is my absolute favorite and I think me and him both agree on that um, because so cool. it started out one way yeah, and it changed. So I guess the reason I bring all that up is to say I did write the songs at the end of the day. Like I can take credit for that, mm-hmm. but there's so much that goes into it and so many other minds in the process that they wouldn't be what they are mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for that outside perspective. Yeah. So yes, but I would like to give the people who've had a hand in it like their absolute due. Yeah. That. Yeah. So do you think this is living in Arkansas, which is just, this is, I'm excited to talk <laughs> about this. You can say you like it. There's nothing wrong. Well, I don't, I'm so, I'm so on the fence about Arkansas. God really? bless you, Arkansas. I love it. And I'm also, we, we're going to have to like rehash all the things we talked about before we started recording. Oh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so like, I love Arkansas, but like, as I said, half the reason that I wanted to start this podcast was because we have all these amazing people in our state mm-hmm. that no one knows about because we live in Arkansas. Yeah. And so on one hand, I think <sighs> there's like, there, there are advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. And I want to know your kind of, as far as Ooh. being in this music career industry thing. I'm going to have to think about how to talk about this because... I am highly optimistic for Arkansas. I am too. But it's going to take some change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am one of a small group of people that I would say sees Arkansas, even namely the central Arkansas area. And hey, I'll give you Northwest Arkansas your due. You've changed a lot. Uh, yeah, it has. Those two areas of the state have the potential of becoming more arts-centric. I agree. Um, 
and slowly being a more stable arts community for musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you look at Northwest Arkansas, like Haxton Road Studios and some of the things that they're trying to do up there, mm-hmm. uh, or you look at just the arts community and the music, uh, the live music in, in Little Rock, mm-hmm. um, it's going to have to change because here's the deal. Like, we don't need to be Nashville. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, that's its own thing. Mm-hmm. We need to be our own version of that for here mm-hmm. uh, because there are more people doing it than we think, but they're just not always working together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. So for example, uh, if I was trying to get people here mm-hmm. to work on something or to say, Hey, let's write a song. I've had a harder time getting people in a room than I was just in Nashville over December thinking I'm going to set up some co-writes for the future. Mm-hmm. And two different times people were like, what are you doing tomorrow at 10? And I said, uh, nothing. And then we'd go write a song. Like people are just willing and ready. I think, I think it's definitely being in proximity, but also being united in focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's just going to take getting more of those people in community. Mm-hmm. I know that's such a contentious word with such people is, is community. Yeah. But really community at the end of the day means common unity. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need. So where do you have any future long-term music goals? Like where do you want to see your mutual, your mutual, your music <laughs> go in the future? Music. <laughs> mutual. Mutual. I'm going to use that. You're good. English is hard. It's uh, so hard. I'm an English major. <laughs> Oh, I apologize. <laughs> it's it's right. not as hard for you per se. But, uh, man, future goals. You know what's funny is like I, I used to be such a planner of I would say five years from now I will be here. Mm-hmm. And it literally never happened that mm-hmm. way. And so I've almost gotten to this point just with the disappointments and other things that haven't worked out the way I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm better for it now, I'm at the point where I try not to think about that as much. But if I had to say, mm-hmm. um, I love Arkansas. I would love it if something changed between now and then and I stayed here and helped build that arts culture. But if that didn't happen, I'm thinking I would very likely be in either Nashville or L.A. Mm-hmm. And I would be doing professional songwriting. Mm-hmm. I would love it if I got to keep performing, if I got to do my own songs. But at the end of the day, I also realize the most important thing to me is I just love the process of writing, mm-hmm. even if it means writing for other people. Getting to do those two co-writes I did in Nashville really helped me to see what it could look like. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've got the drive and the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that I'm still trying to figure out what life would look like that way. Yeah. Um, so if it ends up being my music, cool. If it's mm-hmm. for other people, whatever. But yeah. I think professional songwriting as a full-time career, mm-hmm. whatever that's supposed to look like, that's where I'd like to be. Um, if anything else comes my way or it looks a little different, that's just, just sweetens the pot. I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like we've kind of talked about this, but your ins- when you start writing music, mm-hmm. your inspiration and your influence from that is that it seems like it's very kind of like situation based. Hmm. Is that, is that a thing or no? Man, usually mm-hmm. I, when it comes to process, uh, so for whatever reason, they've actually trusted me a couple times at my work, including one time before they'd ever heard a song I wrote 
to teach a songwriting camp uh, for some of our students. That's Actually, neat. this summer I'm doing it for the third time, which I'm kind of like, okay, I guess I'm somewhat good at this or they wouldn't trust me to do it. <laughs> but, uh, but one of the first things I talk about is process mm-hmm. and how everybody has a different one. And you all, everyone starts, whether it be lyrics, chord progression or the vibe or concept or melody or whatever Mm -hmm. I've tended to very typically one of two things happens either situational like Mm -hmm. you said something happens and it kind of shakes me and it makes me think I have to write to get through this Mm -hmm. sometimes those songs end up not being for public consumption Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just the one that I write and I put away and I say okay I process that Mm mm-hmm but occasionally those songs have also made their way. And mm-hmm. so situational definitely happens. I've found more recently, I've had more success with a concept popping in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, mm-hmm. One time I was riding in the car with a friend and we were driving on a dark road and suddenly a lightning storm started Ooh. and it went like right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I remember... She looked and she said, man, it's so beautiful when the lightning strikes. And I said, hold on one second. And I pulled out my phone Yeah. and I did like the voice text. I was like, I was trying to whisper. I was like, when the lightning strikes. She's like, you are such a songwriter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I wrote a song based off of that. So sometimes, especially more recently, I found more success in an idea pops in my head that I just can't shake. Uh, Slow Burn was actually one of those. Um, I really wanted to write a song that embodied that idea of, uh, someone being more like, in this case, a girl, like Mm -hmm. more beat down and dejected, or maybe feeling like she's at the end of a rope. And then, uh, but then you seeing the potential that is there, AKA like that spark of a fire that's starting to build. Uh, I did kind of take more of a romantic twist with it, like for the bridge, mm-hmm. uh, with, with that repeated lyric, but, uh, but that was the idea. And it was this whole, I kept having that idea of like slow burning fire mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and I was like, I need to write a song around that idea and one that feels musically like it does lyrically, you yeah, know? yeah, just like it starts off small and it, and it builds. gets bigger. So <sighs> that's so cool. So that was, Yeah. That was kind of the idea. I've definitely, definitely a little bit of both, I would say, whether it be writing from concept or situation. Uh, I would, I would bank on that there will be more situations that will inspire songs, but we'll see. Always are. (laughs) I feel like it's constant. Well, is there anything coming up in the future that people should be looking out for? Yes. Uh, I don't know 100% what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. There's a couple things. I'm going (laughs) to see how I can talk about them without giving them away. Okay. Um, New music on the way. Got back in the studio about three weeks ago. And so started a couple new ideas and was actually just talking today about when we're going to start working on those a little more. So trying to figure that out. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe some videos. Really? Possibly. Do you uh, have any videos right now? None. Uh, I say that. There's, there. You can find videos. I won't talk <laughs> about them, but you can find stuff. Yeah. Uh, not my own music per se, but uh, yeah. there are videos out there. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> uh, but 
possibly along the line of uh, maybe a music video. So we'll see. That's really exciting. Still, still up in the air as far as the timeline, but uh, yeah. But have been talking to somebody about making that a reality. So nice. new music, maybe some videos, and uh, who knows? I'm gonna have fun with it. So that's so exciting. Well, again, all of Bradbird's music is on Spotify, and I always say Spotify because it's the only place I listen to music. But it's everywhere. It's all the places. Um, his EP is Silhouettes, and his single is See the Light, and they're so good, and I highly recommend them. But thank you so much. I'm so glad you got to come and talk to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm, so ex- I'm so excited to see you like do more things. Yeah, I, I hope I get to. That's the, that's the goal. I, I want to. It's the dream. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Local Who. I'll have pictures of Brad and um, his album art and all that stuff on our Instagram. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at The Local Who Pod, on Twitter at The Local Who Pod. We're on Facebook, and we also have an email address, yourlocalwho at gmail.com. So if you have any ideas or suggestions of awesome people that I should be talking to in Arkansas, feel free to send me a message or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope you're having a great week. Bye.